Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Marcus Elavari, and today we are taking a look at Australia's premier endurance racing event, the 2022 edition of the Bathurst 12 Hour, and joining me this evening, I have Kiwi Chris and regular Chris for the evening. Guys, welcome back to Bathurst. It's been a while. Been a long, been a long two and a half years, but hey, we're back. Not as we know it, but we are back. Yeah, I'm excited. Chris, regular Chris, I'm just going to Chris Washer. We're going to have to do this again. It's every single time. Chris Washer and Kiwi Chris. Chris, uh, it's, it's, I'm excited. I know it's a busy weekend for a lot of racing, but I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited for the Bathurst 12 hour. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, uh, I did expect a, um, to be honest, a lower grid due to everything clashing and whatnot, but I am I am sort of impressed by the 20 cars that we currently have, and I think that what we do have, um, I think the quality kind of makes up for it, because we do got some great drivers in the field, and I think um, the difference between this and compared to uh, many other races is that um, the, the quality of the broadcast, I think it's going to make up way, may, way more for the uh, amount of cars in the grid, because it's one of the best racing broadcasts of the year, to be honest. Oh, that's so absolutely true and very endearing to the Australian broadcasters. I really quite like that, Chris. Um, before I ask some very difficult questions to start the show, we must, first of all, thank our sponsor, the theracingline.app. Uh, keeps track of all of your motorsport watching... Uh, well, helps you keep track of when to watch all the motorsport you want to watch. Uh, your motorsport calendar, grab it on the iOS store or the Android store. It'll give you alerts, so that way you don't miss Bathurst 12 Hour, the European Le Mans Series, GT World Challenge Europe... Or the IMSA series happening. Is it this weekend? Is IMSA this weekend? IMSA it is in Ohio. This weekend? Yeah. Well, there you go. So there's plenty on this weekend. You don't want to miss a minute of it. So grab the RacingLine.app. I want to also say Michelin Lamar Cup because the H20, the hydrogen car, the H24 car is actually racing. Yeah, that's cool. But that's a, a whole other podcast that we've got to look at. Uh, focusing back to Bathurst, Kiwi. Chris mentioned some of the that there's been some factors affecting the entry list. What kind of things have been going on behind the scenes that have seen us only have 20 cars? And we say only 20 cars, but for for a 12 hour event that has seen you know upwards of 40 cars in the past few years, 20 cars is a a significant shortage. So what's going on? That's why in the the world back a couple of years before there was this this COVID 19 spicy cough outbreak. We had, what, 44 cars in 2019 in February? Yeah. the 12 hour? And then 39 then, uh, in 2020. And 39 in 2020. 2020, we got to, what, March? And then the world just collapsed. And 2021, Bathurst completely cancelled. 2022, Bathurst 12 hour. Originally in plan for February. However, Australia's borders, being what they were, and being so isolated and being so tentative to open everything up, the event got delayed to May. On the same weekend as an MC event and a BES event. And a, and a European Le Mans Series event. Yes. So, you're n- not going to get the drivers from IMSA and Europe that come over, nor the teams that come over from Europe and Asia who rely on those drivers. So, the international flavour for this event is much less significant than previous years. I think we've got one international team and maybe three international drivers. Uh, we've got a, a, actually got, I think, three or four crews with international drivers, but okay. in comparison to 
the full pro lineups that we saw a few years ago, it's yeah, quite yeah. significantly less. Yeah, and of course, with that, because we don't have the full pro lineups this year, this, this for this year only, with the event being in May, we've gone to a pro am event. So each car, each crew has to have a minimum of one am driver. Which has enabled the local talent to ensure that the event actually gets off the ground because for a while it was very dicey. You and I were chatting about that privately about how we thought for a while this wasn't even going to run. Yeah, it was uh, a touch and go for a little bit there, but it's I'm very happy to see that we've got 20 cars. I think 20 cars actually makes quite a decent race. Um, not only has the the teams been affected by you know Australia's delayed uh, delayed vaccination response and the close uh, you know the late look, opening of borders and all those other sort of things um uh, that has been the COVID side of things and then as well with the logistics of you know first clashing with the wc event then clashing now with an elms event uh the the commentary team has also taken a quite a remarkable shift as well chris uh what are your thoughts on the on the new commentary team have you have you read up on that one yet uh i have um fortunately um no outside interference in terms of uh, commentary this year. No European influence or or American influence. Shea Adams won't be there either. Radio Lamar not going to have a presence. I believe they're still going to broadcast the race, but just uh, use the Australian feed, which is par for the course. They just kind of repeat what Channel 7 or whatever TV broadcaster um Whatever, whatever happens on air over there, they pretty much just have that on the radio. Um, yes, and obviously, take a look what's happening this weekend. That Radio Lamar is obligated to, to 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 do. They have to do IMSA with IMSA Radio, so that's Hindoff and Shea Adams gone. ELMS happening, so that's Johnny Palmer gone, and then they have a uh, Creventic. Hockenheim, which not a big series, but that's something that Radio Lamont is also something that they, they're obligated contractually to do. So that's the B team gone. So they really couldn't do anything else. So they had to pull in local talent. And I think what they have, because in the booth, they got um, Matt Nolte and Garth Tander, which Nolte and Tander, they do like the supercar support races. Um, I think Tander does the Super 2 races. Um, and he does a very good job at it, me um, <clears throat> personally thinking. And then in the basically in the pit, yeah, the pits, you have Mark Beretta, who's been hosting the event for the past couple of years now. And then you have Chad Nylon, which I think he does a really good job because I know 2020, the last event that this event was ran, he was doing the like the Pirelli pit box sort of thing yeah. where he'll have a big giant screen. And he'll just, you know, go over the strategies of each car, the driver stints, and, you know, the like where the full course yellows were. It, it, hopefully that still happens. It'll be easier to follow along the race now with less cars. And also we have, uh, you have to forgive me on this, Aussies. There's one person in the pit reporting lineup that I just don't know. And that might be... Um... Uh, let me see if I can find her name. Bryony, uh, I, what's her last name? Bryony Ingerson. Yep, who does a lot of the uh, support category interviews and pit lane stuff. So she'll or she'll talk to the Aussie racing car drivers, for example. Wait, uh, hold on. So and you and you've also got one other wife or girlfriend of? No, you're thinking no, of no. Um, Charlie Robertson, who's taking a step back to look after kids while his while her husband goes racing. Oh, okay, that's completely different. 
No, yeah. so, uh, so Bryony is the the one that does the like the supercars paddock walk thing on the Thursday night. So if that's that's if you've seen those ones up on oh, YouTube, yeah, that's separate from the TV broadcast. Yes, okay. there, is, there is also one name you've forgotten, Richard Crail. Oh, how'd you forget Crailsy? He's the only part of the the in the booth commentary that's still the same. Yes, of course we'll have Crailsy along. Uh, it is a bit of a shame not to have the the European flavor. I mean, of course, circumstances uh have dictated that uh have, will have dictated that uh that's the case. But I think Crailsy, Nolte, and Garth to to add the driver's perspective, which is something that the race hasn't really had. I mean, yeah. we've we've had Hindor and Palmer and uh. Richard Crail. In the past, we've had uh, Goodwin, uh, Graham Goodwin, in the commentary box as well. But to have like sort of driver's perspective, um, especially from a driver that was only very recently behind the wheel, is going to be invaluable. I think. Yeah, and he'd be the only one of the three who could actually fit into a GT car. I would suspect. <laughs> Oof. I mean, maybe not. He is that tall. <laughs> well, he's been racing GTs here for the last. Five years. The last very long time, actually. Yeah, I'm actually surprised he didn't get picked up for a drive this year. As am I, and that is something I plan to ask him over the course of the weekend. Um, but what what I am trying to the the TLDR of this entire conversation, as I just whack my microphone, and I'm sorry about that, is that it's very much an Australian flavored event this year. While it has had the inv- uh, international um, plaudits over the last few years, this year we're kind of going back to basic. Is it kind of? Uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, beef sausage on bread with sauce kind of thing. That's where we're going. Beef sausage, pork sausage. With it, pork sausage on bread with onion without having to vote. Yes, everyone lo- everyone loves a good sausage on bread. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's where we're at. I'm just trying to find uh, where, how many times Garth Tander has run this race over the past 10 years. Uh, and I'm looking at the wrong part of the book that I'm currently reading from. Wait, you read books? I am currently reading the Bathurst Going Global book that I had next ah, to me yes. doing some research. And yes, you're right. Tanda had only done the last five events, but he is also a winner of the 24 hours of Bathurst. Back in the yep. Monaro days. Yes, too. Indeed, which was quite a long time ago. So plenty of experience at the track. Another yeah, thing- but uh, two of those five of the of the 12 hours of at Muran ended in tears. Which 2020, he had that very big off at the... Uh, at McPhillamy. Was it McPhillamy yep. in Skyline? It was McPhillamy, yeah. Everyone had a really, really big off at McPhillamy last uh, year. And then a couple of years earlier, it might have been just a year earlier, he had a... Had a couple of years earlier than that. He had a collision with his uh, wife <laughs> in El Corner. Yes. They do that more often than they should. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was that was quite funny. Yes, uh, Tanda's wife Leanne occasionally gets behind the wheel as well. Um, she's not racing this weekend either. Um, so, but we'll put a pin in that one. Uh, another big factor, another big change. Uh, Kiwi mentioned that we've gone to a new date. We're going. It's going to be this weekend. So that's May fifteenth, and that brings along a lot of challenges and complexities. Um, Kiwi, uh, the new date. Firstly, it's going to be cooler. But also, it's going to be sh- uh, shorter. How is that going to affect the drivers? Yeah, so, okay, the, the race is still 12 hours, but we're going to have, what, maybe two and a half hours less sunlight. With the race starting at five in the morning. Well, quarter past five, sorry, I think it is. Yep. Yep, and so that means I think there'll be 90 minutes. Actually, I'm just going to quickly check what time sunrise is. And sunset. Yes. 
Yeah, that's what, that's what they said about an hour and a half of nighttime running, especially in the morning. Mm. So yeah. in past years, we'll have what, maybe like what, 30, 45, maybe? If, if that, yeah, because of the t- because of Australia, mm. you guys are in the winter, you, you guys set your clocks back like a month or two ago. It's going to be darker for a longer period of time. And plus, so, so yeah, it might be dark at the end of the race as well. Yes, yeah, so sun rises at 6.46am, so that's 90 minutes in. Sunset is at 5.10, five minutes before the end of the race. And and that's not to say that as soon as the sunset, it's going to be dark. No, it's it's going to have uh, some level of you know usable twilight, but it is going to be it's going to get pretty pretty spooky at the end of the race, and it's going to be very very dark at the beginning of the race. And that's a, that's a going to be a big factor uh, when the race starts in February at quarter to six. It's actually starting in what's called. Uh, astronomical twilight so there's technically some light around not so much that you can see but there is some light around and it actually gets a lot brighter a lot quicker um for for this weekend it is going to be full pitch black and uh, which which brings on a couple of challenges yeah one date date of nighttime running for what it's going to be a stint and a half for some poor bloke so nighttime practices in for this year also you know what animals love hanging around around dusk, dawn, yeah, those sort of time frames? I do, I do. I, I believe they're big and loud and like to bounce around. Talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Note, the kangaroos will be out in force. Yeah, and that is always a complicating factor at Bathurst, so hopefully we don't have any nighttime run-ins with the kangaroos. Uh Bathurst is a bit unique in that it starts in darkness and goes into lights. What are you, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? We'll go with Chris first. Is that is that something that is special and makes it special, or is that just a sort of yeah, whatever sort of thing? No, no, it's it's what makes it special. It's the first really big race to do it. I think there's like a race in there's like a thousand kilometer touring car race in Sepang that does it as well. But you know who's watching that? Um, Besides um, you, of course. So yeah, it's like literally. <laughs> The only person <laughs> or the only big event that people really know that it starts under darkness. Like, like, I don't know what other event that A, has a strong, you know, lineup year after year apart from this year um, that come, you know, for an entry list and B, have actually people, you know, care for it and have be part of a global, global stage to have to start like you know five o'clock in the morning it's it's very unique and i think that's what makes sets it apart from all the other 12-hour races apart you know from being bathurst and we have kind of glossed over the fact that it's bathurst but guys it's it's bathurst like this is up there in you know the world standings of motorsport as a track that like rivals Spa Frankenchamps or the Nordschleife in in people's minds. I was talking to Graham Goodwin on we did an AMA podcast last week, which you can check out on our uh, YouTube channel or in our archives if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, and we talked briefly about Bathurst, and he mentioned that he was aware of some drivers who changed or made decisions based around where they were going to drive just so that way they could go to this event. And the two that he mentioned, the one that he mentioned is Oliver Jarvis, who became a Bentley factory driver after driving for Audi, 
to drive at the Bathurst one thing, uh, uh, 12 hour. And the other one was Augusto Farfus, who started driving for BMW just so he could race at the Bathurst 12 hour. So it, it's an event and it's a track that people adore. And Kiwi, we of course know it very well from the supercar side of things, but it has its own sort of legacy now with the 12 hour as well. It's, it's kind of grown to this point where not just, not just, it's not just revered in Australia, but also around the world. Yeah. I think in the last decade, it's grown a lot of prominence worldwide because it's been appearing in a lot more racing sims and getting a lot more exposure around the world. And with these GT3 races coming out here now, remember when we first went up to the mountain, there weren't that many international drivers? Yeah, it was just in its sort of budding youth of international. Mm. It was just, it was on the precipice of the boom. Yeah, so you can imagine, like, you know, in those days, someone like Rob Bell would have gone back and gone, hey, guys, this is beeping, beeping, beeping amazing. You've got to get over here for the love of Christ. Mm. And then all his mates come over next year and go, holy crap, what are we missing out all our lives? Can we please can we please take this section of Australia, put it in England? No, you can't do that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just it's amazing how much is getting its fair desserts now. Although, having said that, as much as they would love to race it, do they really want to race it at five in the morning in pitch black? That is going to be certainly very interesting. It will. It would not surprise me to see teams put in their most experienced driver in for that stint just to make sure that yeah. they get into sunlight. You have to. Yeah. You can't, you can't not. I mean, if you chuck in your AM driver, the guy who's paying for the ride, he's either A, completely bonkers and shouldn't be in the team, or B... He's going to put it in the wall. Yeah, um, it's just, yeah, you, you have no other option, surely. Sure, and we should talk about some of these uh, drivers, as we've made mention. It's a 20-car field, and most driver, most teams have four, uh, three drivers to a car. There are a few with four. Um, we'll, we'll break it down as we normally do with these preview podcasts. Uh, we've got 12 in the Pro-Am category fighting for overall honours, a further three AM, drive, uh, AM cars uh, racing in GT3. We've got uh, three Invitational class cars and two Cup cars, which are running the Porsche Carrera Cup, which is great to see back at Mount Panorama for the 12-hour. Um, shall we start with a fleet of Audis, lads? We should. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the headline car for the Audis really has to be the pair of... Uh, Audi, Audi Sport Team Valvoline cars, the two factory-backed cars. Um, both of them operated out of uh, Melbourne Performance Racing, or Melbourne Performance Center, rather. Um, and these cars are the really t- the two big ones with like huge international uh, attention. So in the 777 machine, uh, you have the AM driver Yasser Shahin, who is either part owner or brother of the owner of the Ben Motorsport Park uh, and the Shaheen family. Uh, and he has been given from Audi Sport, Marcus Winkelhock and Ricardo Feller as his co-drivers. Chris, straight off the bat, that is a scary looking group of drivers. Uh, definitely. And also because I believe last year, uh, that car or Yasser Shaheen might have been GT World Challenge Australia champion. Yes, you are indeed correct. Um, so that's a very scary lineup, considering the fact that I believe they might have, um, trying to remember if they won at one of the Bathurst races last year as the supports for supercars. Um, no, one of the other Audis did. I'll get to that when we come to it. Um, but 
it's definitely scary because, first of all, I believe that car already won a race this year at Phillip Island, part yes. of the GT World Around Australia, which something else to remind us, oh, this is also a GT World Challenge Australia round. So that's why he's, you, you probably see you know, as many cars as you do. This is a very interesting car. And uh, Ricardo Feller, uh, this this guy is slipping underneath the radar, I think, because, but he was very good at ADAC GT Masters, very fast at Usherslaven. And I don't think anybody expected that much pace. He, did, he improved over the years massively. So I think that that'll be a guy to watch out for. It, it might, I believe it's his first time at the track. Yep. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that hampers him. But I think this is probably going to be the best cars on the grid. And I forget as well. He's twenty one and won the Silver Cup in the uh, AWS Blank Plain and whatever the series is. GT World Challenge Europe is the one. That's the words. That's the words. Uh, and if you're going to pair him with anyone, if you're a factory Audi guy. Pairing him with Marcus Winkelhock, who has made... Well, this will be his eighth trip to the Bathurst 12-hour. Uh, that's a, a fairly formidable uh, pairing of drivers. And while Winkelhock hasn't won here, he's certainly been quick, and he's won basically everything else. Yeah, this is an incredibly strong lineup. I don't think he's... How many races has actually finished? Oh, that is a very difficult question, and I am not sure immediately on the answer. I know that he didn't finish last year because none of the Audis finished last year. They all kind of expired on top of each other, um, unfortunately. But um, I think it's it's certainly more than half. I think he's only just finished off the podium once. You're, yeah. making, me, you're making me do more work than I was expecting. Um, um, and just a quick note on Yasser Shahin Kiwi. Is is he the best AM driver in Australia at the moment? Oh, he'd be very, very close. Straight off the bat, I can't think of anyone who's really better than him. And I mean, if you're, uh, you know, if you've got enough money behind you to build your own racetrack, <laughs> true, you you might have a, a bit of skill behind that as well. Yeah. Oh, there's an on the run in Melbourne now. He's expanding his empire. Oh wow, that's. Yeah. Kind of terrifying, truth be told. <laughs> uh, the other um, Audi factory car is the number 74 with Brad Schumacher, who's a, a Bathurst local. Uh, and he's been joined by former Rebellion LMP1 driver Nathaniel Berton and uh, a favorite for those at the Bathurst 12 hour, Kelvin Vanderlinder. Uh, again, th- that pairing of drivers to add to one of the best AMs in the country is. Pretty damn exciting. Uh, Kiwi, your thoughts on seeing uh, Kelvin back down under? I'm just going to get this out of my system now. I still haven't forgiven <laughs> I still, I still haven't forgiven him for what happened at DTM. <laughs> yes, of course. This is why I asked you this question. Um, I'm, I could say what I think about that, but this will get, that'll get this podcast terminated permanently. But I'm prepared to forgive and forget and move on because this lineup, is not actually, I'm going to be saying it's actually not far off the triple seven. It's really not, and I think um, you know while Berton hasn't been isn't well known for driving GT3s, he's well known for driving you know top level sports cars, but not quite GT3s. And Vanderlinder has that sort of clout behind him. Uh, people might you know look at uh, Brad Schumacher and think 
oh, he wasn't even racing in the top level of GT World Challenge Australia last year. You know, what what is this guy really for? But he's he's quite an accomplished driver. Uh, Chris, what do you know about Brad Schumacher? Uh, I know he, uh, the cars he races, he, he ran old gen Audi R8, which is always fun to see the old cars up in the, in the, in some main series. It's always nice to see. He had the Kelso electrical sponsorship. That's so his business. I believe that's his business, I yep. think. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see any of that branding on his car because it's Audi's team Valvoline. So I don't know, probably it won't be the main feature, I, I would assume. Um, but yeah, he he. Uh, you don't really see him put a foot wrong. You don't see him cause many incidents. Um, I do have to say, I believe the triple seven is stronger. But uh, I don't know. I will see how the 70, uh, 74 shakes out because the other two, uh, Kelvin Vandalin, say what you want. Sorry, Kiwi. Very fast driver. Um, well, he's not crashing into Kiwis. Um, and then <laughs> Daniel Burton, he was just at Poe for the uh, WTCR weekend. So. He, he's been he's been racing. He has been sitting on his butt. So, I, mean, I believe this might be Berton's first weekend here. Uh, I can yeah, I think so too. Um, I can just double check and confirm the, what, that is in fact the case. Yeah, I was gonna say while you're double checking it. So with Brad Schumacher, yep, he he won both races at Phillip Island earlier this year in the trophy class. Yes, in the trophy class. Yes, uh, he. And he won the trophy series last year. Yes. In the older in the older Audi. He's raced Bathurst for as long as I can remember because he obviously lives around there. He's a very solid driver at Bathurst, and I don't think he's just looking through his results. Very few DNFs. Yes, he is quite a consistent. And I want to say for reference, I believe he doesn't share a car either in GT World Challenge Australia. So at least he'll have he'll know what it's like to be in a car for at least an hour hour straight so he'll ha- he'll ha- definitely have that going for him yeah you are correct he so we did make mention he races in the trophy class for older spec gt machinery because he actually owns um the car that he's running it's actually a former um it's a car from the czech republic i think um raced by anders Fjordback and dennis anderson in that series over there um that he ended up buying uh that got brought over to australia um and he won the trophy class last year outright uh, ahead of Brett Hobson, who's also in this field. And um, he's, he's quite an accomplished driver. Has taken, I think, an overall podium in the pro uh, in the GT World Challenge Australia. Um, so certainly a driver to watch, especially at Bathurst, because as we may mention, it is pretty much his own track. Um, the, next, uh, the next highest profile Audi is probably the sharing points leader of the of the GT World Challenge Australia at the moment. Um, this is an all-Australian car, the number 65 coin spot racing team. Um, that's got uh, Liam Talbot and Fraser Ross, and they've been joined by current Bathurst 1000 reigning champion, Chaz Mostert. Uh, now, Chris, Kiwi will let you talk about Chaz in a moment. Um, uh, Fraser Ross and Liam Talbot, uh, Chris Washer, uh, they're probably two names that a lot of people don't know uh, unless they've watched a lot of kind of AM-focused motorsport. Uh, are they names that pop up in your radar at all? Uh, no, I believe Fraser Ross uh, when Australian GT like before COVID, a couple of years before COVID actually, I believe he was one of the people who raced one of the McLarens. Yep. Um, For 59 Racing? Yeah, and then 
Liam Talbot, he used to go overseas, actually. I remember him racing at the Spa 24 Hours. I believe he might have an AM class win there in the Ferrari over at Spa 24. And so he'll he'll have 24-hour race experience. Plus, he won last year with the Coin Spot team at one of the uh, GT World Challenge Australia races at Bathurst while they're supporting uh, supercars. So I think this is... Apart from the two uh, factory Audis, uh, this might be probably the, the the next best thing. It's also interesting. Sorry to go on a tangent here. I see all these Audis, and it's basically the the, the team name is basically the sponsor. Yeah, it's because basically all the Audis in Australia are ran by Melbourne Performance Center, and the people, the rich guys, just you know have cash in hands like. Name this team this. Yeah, it's that's that's a, quite a quite a funny function of the Australian GT uh, scene at the moment. Um, you are right in saying that Talbot's done a fair bit of international racing. He actually, raced a few rounds of the Asian Le Mans series as well with Harbordo Corsa, uh, and then combining that with Fraser Ross, who last time out at Bathurst won the uh, the twenty twenty Silver Cup class with um, oh, who was he with? He was with. Uh, Dominic Story and Martin Kodrick, uh, which was a pretty exciting story. They actually finished with an overall top 10 in that McLaren. Uh, but Chris, the, the hero name in that car really is Chaz Mostert. And a lot of guys internationally would know of Chaz. Um, but how exciting is it to have someone like him be the headline in a car like this? Eh. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no. I think it's very because... Um... He just definitely has the GT experience. I mean, I believe he's twenty twenty Rolex twenty four winner for BMW. Yeah, raced a lot. Of BMW, raced a lot of uh, before COVID. Did the Asian Le Mans for BMW. Select IMSA races. Um, obviously, partnership is with Audi now, as he won the TCR Australia Championship with you know the Audi TCR. It's gonna be interesting. I think that the two AMs that he's sharing the wheel with, they're not half bad either. Um, well, so it's a it's a bit it's a it's a bit of a complex thing because I'd probably say remember how I said that Yasser Shahin is probably the best AM in Australia. I think mm-hmm. I think Talbot's the only one that can really be in that conversation. And then I don't actually think Fraser Ross counts as an AM, even though he's silver rated. He's definitely not an AM driver. No, I, I think you have Liam Talbot on the same tier as as Yasser Shahin, and then you have yeah. Fraser Ross is maybe just above that slightly. Yeah. But they're all very competitive drivers, and we know what Chaz can do around this place. You don't win Bathurst by um, being slow. I think he'll just be glad to get away from his walk and draw and dread United car at the moment. <laughs> yeah, after last a time out at Perth, that was oh. not ideal. That's why they're changing to Ford. Um, that's tasty. <laughs> that is some tasty yes. drama. Yes, we'll cover that in our other podcast. Um, but I really like this car. I would not be surprised if it's not if it's higher than the third best Audi by the end of the day. Okay, okay. You reckon it can take it to the factories? I do. Abs- okay, fair enough. Um, I think I think Chaz is going to have to be the anchor of that car, certainly. Um, I, and he's I, a pretty good anchor. Yeah, if he does seven hours, the other two do five. Quite that's, easy to do. That's a big stint, though. Um, they're currently leading the GT World Challenge Australia uh, title with uh, with Yasser Shahin and 
his partner, which was Christopher Mees, actually, in the first round of the series. So they're certainly in the mix um, for a good result. Uh, next down is uh, Tony Bates in the number 24, the, the Bostic Audi that he runs. And he's got two Australian supercars drivers supporting him uh, in the form of David Reynolds and Cam Waters. This is an interesting little combination. Bates has been around for ages and ages and ages. And then uh, Reynolds and Waters, they're more commonly seen as adversaries. How in the hell have they ended up in the same car together, Kiwi? I'm as stumped as you are. Like this, this shouldn't work. No, no, it shouldn't at all. It is. I mean, it is kind of wild. Sorry, sorry, Kiwi. It is kind of wild to think that like Cameron Waters made his debut at Bathurst over a decade ago, as did David Reynolds. And which one would you say has had the better career to this point? Can I say neither? Yeah, exactly. They're both. On the periphery, like, okay, David David Reynolds is one in a thousand. That is true. Uh, Cam Waters has two podiums in the last two Bathurst one thousands. Yep, they've got the pedigree around here. Tony Bates has been driving around for donkeys years. He knows how to drive the Audi and he knows how to drive this place. And I think he's had some good results. So maybe you can look at the previous years. He got it on hand. I'm sure. I'm sure he's podiumed in this class before. He has not yet finished no? the Bathurst twelve hour. He's, he's raced four times. I couldn't believe this myself. I had to go back and check it. In the GT3 era, he has not finished the Bathurst 12-hour. Wow, that fooled me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And, and like, and the reason we're so surprised by this is that Bates has kind of been racing forever. Like, I remember him racing against John Bow in the old Australian endurance trophy days. Like, that's how far back it sort of goes. Um, and he's a, he's a very good uh, AM driver in Australia. And I believe, uh, Chris, he's done things like the Audi Super Cup, and he might have even been at the Spa 24? Potentially. I do remember the name for Audi. It was the Audi R8 LMS Cup, which is like an eight, um, an Asian one-make series. So I believe, I want to say they're, there's regular Audi GT3 cars, maybe less powered. I don't know, it's been, it's been a while. It's been at least probably 2019 since that series ran. Mm. That hasn't been ran since. Um, I know it came to, uh, came to Adelaide um, once yep. or twice. Um, potentially there. And Tony Bates, um, last year he was partnered. I can't remember if it was full season. I don't think so. But he also ran... Um, with Chaz Mostert in the Audi GT3 for some GT World Challenge Australia rounds. Yes, yes indeed. And they took a few race victories as well. So um, Bates is certainly an accomplished racer. The The question that we always have at Bathurst is track experience versus international clout. And it's one of the few places where track experience really pays dividends. Do we think that Waters and Reynolds as partners of Bates, are going to be the outright sort of pace leaders that we might expect from, say, a, a Winklehock or a Chaz Mostert or a Kelvin Vanderlinder. Is that are we are we going to put them at that same level because of their experience racing in Australia, or are the GT the GT heroes going to have the leg up? I think that difference is actually decreasing a lot nowadays. More so with Winklehock, for example, he's been here many years. 
So I can see someone like a Berthon being, you know, quite green, taking his time. Then maybe that local knowledge versus uh, hard gun from overseas difference is wider for him. But someone like a Winklehoch, not so much. Okie dokie. Uh, and, and, and they're not even the best supercar drivers on the grid. Yeah, and that that's the, that's the follow-up then. Uh, two more cars for the Audis. Um, there's the number nine Team Hallmark car of Mark Cini with Dean Fiore and Lee Holdsworth. Mark Cini, again, been around forever. Uh, Lee Holdsworth won last year's Bathurst 1000 as a co-driver for uh, Chaz Moster and arguably almost the main driver. He was setting that quicker lap times. Uh, Dean Fiore, kind of a bit of a... a, a What's the what's the term that you use, Chris uh, Kiwi? Sorry, when we enigma, not an enigma. Um, has been to a lot of teams and hasn't really journeyman. That's the one. Yeah, uh, a bit of a bit of a supercars journeyman. Sini uh, is probably not on the same level as some of the other AMs in in Australia. But uh, what, what do we rate his chances with this trio? It's better with the trio than without it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think this is the best trio he's had. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chris? Do you reckon Cini's got a any sort of shot? I don't know. I don't think he's. I don't think he's good. To be <laughs> honest, um, I, I just see him wreck a lot. Um, maybe just recency bias because of the Porsche Queer Cup rounds uh, this year. Seems like every single race he just went off track, um, caused a safety car, pretty much caused. Or caused, you know, almost caused it. I don't know. I don't think this car is going to be up there um, in terms of fighting for overall win. Um, I mean, Lee Holdsworth, and I probably rate the best uh, out of three, I think for obvious reasons. So I don't know. We'll see how this car places. That is a very astute observation, Chris, and I think you're entirely correct, Kiwi. <laughs> he has had four. Pro or three pro and one and podium in the in the race in the GT three era. He's also sixty. Oh, I did not realize he was that old. Damn. Yeah. Um. But last three last well twenty 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 nineteen twenty seventeen yeah three he came third in pro am. Well, there you go. Um, on the note of this trio, uh, Kiwi, he has actually had this trio of drivers. Um, himself, Lee Holdsworth, and Dean Fiore. Um, since 2017, and I'm just trying to check. Um, yeah, since 2017. So it's uh, quite an established trio of drivers. But yeah, as you said, their best result has been a pro am podium. Uh, the so end- this wish in this race would be an overall podium. It would be. It would be. But I don't think he has the measure of some of the other pro am teams. No. No. Uh, finally for the Audis, it's uh. Joey, oh, sorry, let me try that one again. Finally, for the Audis, it's the Team BRM number 17 of Mark Rosser, South Australian Mark Rosser, uh, being joined by Joey Mawson and Nick Perkat. Uh, I'll start with Chris first. Mark Rosser uh, and his What Do You Meme car. Your thoughts, please. <laughs> I think the silence says it all. It, it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 very it's a very interesting looking car. It has quite an interesting and funny uh, sponsor, and I can't help but laugh every time I have to write it into a daily sports car article. Um, <laughs> uh, he's been run by Team BRM. Uh, we saw last year at the last round of the series for the GT World Challenge Australia, Rossa with one of the most 
audacious false starts in a rolling start history. Um, and then he managed to crash on that first lap as well. Uh, so he, he's a driver that's still improving. Um, but with Nick Perkout and Joey Mawson, uh, Kiwi, that's two pretty decent drivers to play a trade with. Yeah, so for those who don't know who Joey Mawson is, and I'm tipping there might be a few people out there, uh, he actually spent a couple of year, a few years racing Porsche Super Cup and Porsche Courier Cup Germany. Uh, he's currently been racing S5000. I think he yeah, he was champion last year for BRM, which is why he's in this car now. And you add to that Nick Perkett, who is having an interesting season, to say the least, in supercars so far, but we know he's there. Obviously, he's won here. So, I like the look of this car, as long as Mark Ross is away from it as much as possible. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? The M really makes this team. Um, mm. And the M, unfortunately, is still learning. And, like, I'm not going to get mad at a guy who's still learning. It's just going to be a very high-profile place to, to learn. Um, an interesting note on the, the um, Pro-Am, uh, sorry, the Audis guys... No overall winners in uh, in the Pro-Am Audi stables at all. Um, even though Audi has won, I think, the most Bathurst 12 hours uh, with, I think, three in the GT3 era, um, none of those drivers uh, are here racing this weekend. They're all racing overseas? Um, or they're not racing anymore, I think, is... Well, because uh, two of the two of the uh, first wins were 2011-2012. So uh, the likes of um, Mark Bassing is a name that I don't think I've heard in a long time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the Audi challenge. Um, there's four cars from Mercedes-AMG as well. And the real headline story here is, of course, uh, the 888 race engineering car. Uh, it's got Manfilter sponsorship. It'll have Johor sponsorship because it is Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim of the Johor State in Malaysia, uh, partnered alongside the two current supercars drivers for Triple Eight Race Engineering, young up and coming talent Brock Feeney, and probably the best racing driver in Australia, even though he's not Australian, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Hear that, Gigi? Not Australian. I said, not Australian. <laughs> <laughs> that that absolutely cracked me up when that happened. Um, Chris, uh, is, this isn't the first time we've seen uh, someone of royalty jump behind a racing car, um, but Ibrahim's got a little bit of a, a, a tie with Triple Eight um, that I believe goes back to GT uh, to to Blank Pan Asia. Is that right? Yeah, before COVID, um, the the Triple uh, Eight did the blank pan gt asia series with this exact same guy um then covid hit and then 2021 they started racing again um and he's not exactly like he's not exactly a bad driver i don't remember him you know being it uh, all the time i think he is generally competitive so it's going to be interesting to see how that fares with, I believe, Brock Feeney's first time in a GT car. Uh, not quite. It's very almost. Really? Um, Feeney actually filled in for a round last year in the GT World Challenge Australia, I I think. That is just straight off the top of my head, but I have a feeling that he filled in as a co-driver for, uh, for Van Gisbergen because the supercars were racing that same weekend. Yeah, I can't think what round it was, but yes, he has raced the GT 
with Prince Jeffrey um, in between in between his supercar commitments last year. But this, I tell you what, this car. Whoo-hoo-y. Any car with Van Gisbergen behind the wheel at Bathurst is a car to be reckoned with. Yep. And Brock Feeney's actually done a lot, well, I want to say a lot better than I expected, but I also expect, think that I expected less from the team than we're getting. That's true. And that, that's been a, a significant shape up, a shake up in the supercar side of things, uh, in the personnel side of Triple Eight. And it is kind of surprising in the best way possible that they are still as dominant as they are with such a drastic change in engineering. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, it's not actually Feeney's first time at the 12 hour. Did you guys know that? He's raced in he the race with the Mark Mustang before. Yes, yes, indeed. Took a class win by 107 laps with um Al, uh, with Nick Perkett. And I think it was Aaron Cameron uh, who... Is that the same Aaron Cameron? No, that was Cameron Hill, I was going to say, uh, who won the six hour. Uh, that was because that was the year that the second best... Was that last year? It was no, the last no. time out, yeah, yeah 2020. Yeah. When the second best marker had a mother and father of all chance. I think all of them had a mother and father of all chance. Oh, wait, no, yes, you're talking about um, the Tyler yeah. Everingham car in qualifying, yeah. Yeah. That was terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is probably the most terrifying day of motorsports I've been involved in, personally. Oh, just There was just so many incidents, in that, but let's not talk about that, that's depressing. That's, that, that was a whole other thing as well, yeah, so... Um, yeah, Feeney has some 12-hour experience. He has a little bit of GT experience, and he has a little bit of Bathurst experience. Uh, Ibrahim is a good AM, but not a great AM. Um, has taken some victories in the GT World Challenge. Uh, ended up finishing second overall in the championship last year. You know, off the back of Van Gisbergen and Wink Up and Feeney. Uh, Feeney doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, what needs to happen for this car to be in the mix with an hour to go? Prince Jeffrey's drive time needs to be done early in the race. And? Shane Van Gisbergen needs to be in for the last stints, two stints. Any objections to that, Chris? No, I kind of agree. And plus, when you only have, you know, 19 other cars on track and you have much cleaner air, so you'd hope when that comes into play, there's less chance of you playing bumper cars with your other opponents, um, less chances of crashing. Um I think as long as they give him the, maybe don't have him in as a start. Um, oh well, you put that on Brock Feeney. Good luck, son. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be interesting to see what they do for the start, especially with hour and a half of darkness. But I think when you get past that and you get his drive time early, I, you could have a shot, especially if SVG behind the wheel. Well, as, SVG hasn't been playing bumper cars. Everyone has been getting out of his way at the moment. Well, he's just carving through everyone he he is really the ace in the pack for for those guys and it's uh, it's hard to bet against the car with van gisbergen behind the wheel at the moment have you seen the next car we're about to talk about well it depends where do we want to go are we going uh hong kong or are we going sun energy one but before that i do want to make the point um in the australian gt or the gt world challenge australia whatever um there isn't really a lower class of car. There has consistently been one GT4 car for each of these races. So passing traffic for the AM drivers is going to be something that is going to cause some issues. And I'm going to call it now. We will see at least one incident with an AM driver in traffic. Um, and Ibrahim hasn't had all that much experience of doing that. And so that's going to be another thing that we're going to have to be concerned about. So Chris, Kiwi Chris, where did you want to go next? I feel like, I feel like flying to Hong Kong, don't you? Cafe Pacific? 
Let's go Craft Bamboo Racing, who are returning for their uh, fourth shot at the mountain in five in five years, because, of course, the missed year last year. Um, they are under the direction of Daryl O'Young, of course, who was the two-time race winner in 2011 and 2012, um, and features uh, veteran Murrow Engel, who has a story of infamy at this place, um, a rookie Daniel Junkadella, which just sounds ridiculous to say, and a... Um, a, I, I don't know how, how to say this, a Macaulay's driver, uh, Kevin Say, who I think is racing in the GT World Challenge, uh, sorry, the British GT at the moment, Chris? Uh, yes, he is racing on a round-to-round basis with the uh, Sky Tempesta uh, car. Oh, so it's um, a different team. What's that, sorry, Chris? Uh, Kiwi? So he's got a different team, then. Yeah. He's racing with Tempesta. He's also been around for nearly a, over a decade. Well, yeah, he's a Macaulay's driver. And when was the last time you saw a Macaulay's flag on an on an entry list? Every time they dress at Macau the last couple of years. I mean, duh and or nadoy. But I mean, apart from that. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, so should, can you shed a bit of more light on um, Kevin Say for us, uh, Chris? That's It's not a name that I've really ever seen before. Uh, uh, from memory recollection not very fast but won't crash it either uh, i mean cuz i don't i don't think he he did, he didn't really impress me from watching him in british gt like i don't really recall him having you know whenever he was in the car you know i was like wow you know he's passing people i i don't recall that at all um so i think he's definitely not going to be the car's definitely not going to be as well as the others when he's in the car. So, but you said he doesn't crash, and you'd hope with you know years of experience racing the Goya circuit around Macau that uh, he'd be very used to having walls close by him, and that's going to hold him in good stead for Bathurst. How weird is it to say that Daniel Yukadella is a is a rookie at any race? Surprised he hasn't been down here before. No, not at all. It's his, it's going to be his debut. But again, similar to the same story that we had with the Valvoline uh, Audi team, pairing a very, very fast rookie with someone with a lot of bath of experience in the way of Mario Angle, who took pole on his first year here in 2013? 20, it was 2013, 2014. It was 2014. And then... Has not had a result better than fifth um, since, uh, has Mario Engel. Kiwi, Mario Engel versus Shane Van Gisbergen. Are we are we in for another, sh- uh, a bit of a showcase there? God, I just, yeah, I didn't think of that till just then. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, have a look on YouTube for the... Uh, 2017 Bathurst 12 hour, the last few, the last, you know, highlights of that. Um, they were in the same team together. Van Gisbergen had a crash. Murray Engel got interviewed. Things got bloody spicy. We'll put it that way. Uh, that, that's a quote that will forever be burned into my mind where he's, you know, exact quote. That's not motorsport in my book. Yeah, damn. That's uh, that is one of the all-time interviews. It's up there with the uh, Neil Johnny uh, and Alessandro Pierguidi incident at the end of last year uh, in the WEC. If you've not seen that, that's Craft Bamboo Racing. Uh, they finished fifth here last time out. Looking at the the um, 
quality of the AMGs, the qualities of the Audis around them. Uh, are we in? Are they in for a shot? Oh, for sure. For sure. Even even with an unloan like Kevin Say behind the wheel. I don't know if he's too far behind Prince Jeffrey, for example. Okay. Uh, so, and I think Ingle's good enough to match Brock Feeney. And Jokandela's good enough to match Brock Feeney. It's just whether they can match Shane Van Gisbergen. That'll be the question on a lot of people's lips, I think. Uh, we'll move on to the Sun Energy 1, number 75 Mercedes. Now, this is this is a cool story, I think. Uh, Kenny Habul, of course, is the one driving the Sun Energy 1 uh, team. He was the inaugural IGTC Bronze Championship winner, which a lot of people kind of forget about. Um, he has an overall podium at the Bathurst 12-hour. Not a class podium, an overall podium um, off the back of, I think it was Tristan Vautier, Jamie Winkup, and Raffaele Marciello in 20. 20- 18. Uh, this year, he brings along uh, Martin Conrad and Lucas Stoltz as uh, Mercedes factory drivers, and the reigning Bathurst 12-hour champion in Jules Going On. That's kind of terrifying, guys. Why is Kenny Habul going to potentially race-winning team? Because he has money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly, but like, still, it's kind of nuts. It's incredibly nuts. And it's because it's a four-driver team, Kenny Habal can get three hours done and get out of the way. And I think that's pretty much what he did in 2018 uh, with all that happened at the end of that race as well uh, that played into their hands. But still, a bronze driver has an overall Bathurst 12-hour podium. Can lightning strike twice? Can lightning strike twice for Kenny Habal? Maybe. <laughs> he's, he's good enough to keep it, to keep it clean. And those three drivers... Ah, good enough to elevate this car into contention in the last hour. So, Stoltz and uh, Gunon, I've got a pretty good handle on in terms of their worldwide racing exploits. Martin Conrad is a name that I've seen bits and pieces, but nothing really springs to mind. Chris, can you shed a bit of light onto the Austrian driver? Uh, is that a, is that a silver driver? I believe so. He, I believe, I don't know if there's any relation to Conrad's, Motorsports, uh, Franz Conrad, possibly. Yeah, I hadn't thought about um, that. From what I remember, he's pretty decent. He is kind of like um, to silver or like the person you throw in when you need like a, uh, another am, uh, sort of thing. He uh did race. He actually races with helped racing team with like with in some races, um, maybe a land graph in others. Okay, yeah. I remember. He actually won an international GT Open race this year. That's where I remember him from. He won at Catalonia last year in Pro-Am in GT World Challenge. Well, there you go. So he's certainly got a bit of clout behind him. And in fact, he raced at the Bathurst 12 Hour in 2020 with um, Sun Energy 1 as well. So a little bit of team synergy there. Um, Unfortunately, that car did not have the best of races and finished in 20th that time around. Um, So that's uh, the Sun Energy 1 car. The last of the Mercedes in the uh, Pro-Am category is the number 19, creatively named 19 Corporation Racing Team of um, Mark Griffith, uh, who will be driving with a pair of Erebus Motorsport uh, drivers, uh, Will Brown and Jack Perkins. I'm going to open up the floor here. Mark Griffith is slow, and that's all I have to say. Guys, anyone want to jump in? Incredibly slow. 
He's, 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 I'm pretty sure he raced GT4s around here the last few years. Yes, yes, indeed. Yep. He is one of the very few drivers, very few people in Australia to own a GT4 car. And yes, he's got two pretty damn spectacular co-drivers, but he, nah, I just can't see this car challenging the top steps. Any any notes, Chris? Anything you want to add? No, we pretty much yeah you know, got to the points. Mark Griffith, very slow. Two, well, Jack Perkins, former supercar driver. And then you have uh, Will Brown, Erebus driver. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this car finishes, if it finishes at all. The, the issue I have with this car is that, unfortunately, Griffith is slow enough to be lapped by the other AMs across the same stint. That's the sort of pace we're talking about here, um, which is unfortunate, but... And he also loves to start the races, from memory. Right, okay. Well, look out for a flying uh, flying Mercedes in the early hours. Um, there are two other cars in the Pro-Am category fighting for overall. One Porsche and one Lamborghini. And I want to talk about the Porsche first, because I think this is actually an outside shot for a overall win. And it's got a pretty cool story behind it. So the Porsche is being run by Grove Motorsport, who uh, took over the Kelly Racing Supercars team uh, this season. Uh, it has brother and, uh, brother and son, father and son pairing Stephen and Brenton Grove, uh, and they're being joined by uh, former WEC uh, Porsche driver, Ben Barker. Now, this trio won the Pro-Am category in 2020, Um so they they finished tenth overall, and with it brought up Stephen Grove's fourth class victory, which ties the amount of class victories by a single person at the Bathurst Twelve Hour. So if uh, the Groves are in the mix at the end of the race, which you know there's every indication that they could be because they're quite a strong uh, GT World Challenge Australia team, Stephen Grove could become the winningest driver for the Bathurst Twelve Hour in class. Not this year. Not this year? No? Why not? No, I Because, okay, yes, he won, prim, he's won the Prime class last year. The Prime class last year didn't have the drivers of Marcus Winkelhock, Calvin Vanderland, Mara Wingle in it. The Prime is a step up this year. I don't think, as good as the Groves are, and as good as Ben Barker is, I don't think they're good enough to take it to the cream of the crop here. They'll be, in, they'll be running at the end. I've got no doubts about that but I don't think they'll be super competitive. Well, what if I say this, Chris, uh, Kiwi? Uh, Grove tends to win in... Uh, he tends to skip a year. So he won uh, Class B in 2014 and 2016 and 2018 and then won Pro-Am in 2020. It is 2022. That is a skipped year. <laughs> uh, it's a skipped year for everyone. Does that reset the cycle? Ah, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um what has Ben Barker been up to since we last saw him in the golf racing car in the World Endurance Championship, Chris? To be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> right, oh my, my God, we've stumped him. We've stumped what? Chris. I mean, to be fair, it took a Porsche factory driver last time to stump Chris, so... <laughs> this is true. We're never going to let okay. you forget the time that you forgot Michael Christensen was a Porsche factory driver. I'm actually just going to go into Driver DB and see what Ben Barker's been doing, and the answer is... Asian Le Mans series. Asian Le Mans series, as well as a little bit of, uh, well, obviously, GTE for GR Racing last year. 
Was that only last year? Oh, well, yeah, there you go. It was only last year. <laughs> Time flies, right? Uh, so that's the Porsche. Oh, we didn't pay attention last year because GR racing is rubbish. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, we. I think we forgot about him so much because he actually raced at Spa for WEC. Really? Yep, wow, we're, we're bad podcast hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah, wow, okay. Um, well, that kind of goes to show you how anonymous GR Racing has been lately. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully Ben Barker doesn't have... Do we want an anonymous weekend from the Groves, or do we want them to be, you know, throwing punches or getting punched? I don't know. Do you really want to be punched by Stephen Grove? He looks like he could absolutely hurt you. Yeah, he probably could, actually. Let's stay well away from that. Uh, so, do you reckon they're in for an overall shot? Can't see it, unfortunately. Chris? I'd like to. Uh, no. no, I don't think so. Okie dokie. Uh, what about the Lamborghini on the list, then? We have Wall Racing uh, with the uh, uh, with Mr. Wall, David Wall, um, former supercars driver, uh, driving alongside his regular GT World Challenge co-driver, Adrian Dietz, uh, joined by current TCR Australia Championship leader, Tony D'Alberto, who is also former supercars driver, was just driving with DJR at uh, last year in, in the 1000, and... Uh, Here's a, a pretty exciting uh, development. Uh, Bathurst local, Australian TV personality, Grant Denyer. <laughs> is, is, Chris, is that, a, is that a name that you recognize at all? Grant Denyer? Have you, have you heard that name, seen his TV exploits at all? Uh, he's, he's a host of your guys' family feud, right? Yeah, yeah it's the well, one. It's, it's, and it's, amongst a lot of other things. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of him because he raced... Um, I don't know if it was just this year. I believe he raced the local legends, the bright highlighter yellow uh, Mustang yep. in the Bathurst yep. 6 Hour. That would and be with the, with the Queens. Yep. yep. Uh, he's, and, you know, he's been racing for a while. I um, think every single 6 Hour, it seems, he's there. And then... Well, he lives around the back of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> and, he, you know, he sometimes you'll see him in a GT car. I think he ran... Um, when the Highlands 101, when Australian GT was just Australian GT, when they w- went to New Zealand for like two races, um, they had the Highlands 101 and the Hampton Downs 101. I believe I saw Daniel race w- at least one of those races. That, that name uh, popped into my head when re- re- recalling one of those races, like, like 2016, 2017? Yeah. He's, somewhere, I don't know, somewhere around that period. He's actually quite an accomplished racer. He has a class win at the Bathurst 12-hour in the GT3 area. It was driving in the Mark class in the Invitational, but it's still a class win. And prior to the GT3 era in, in, the, in the production era, he actually took an overall podium in a, a Mitsubishi Lancer. Um, Kiwi, you seem pretty keen to jump in. What other notes do you have on, on Daniel? Let's not forget, he was driving the car that Cam Waters made his Bathurst debut in. It's like you read my mind. He was he was the reward. So for for those who don't know, there was when was it? Was it two thousand and eight or was it two thousand and ten? When was it? I think it was. Oh wait, the Shannon Supercar. Yeah, but oh wait. So so the Kelly Racing Team ran a uh, effectively a reality game show. Um, where they got a bunch of drivers, put them through a bunch of uh, tests and challenges, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with the reward of a Bathurst drive in a supercar, in a wildcard, run by the Kelly Racing, 
with Grant Denyer. So he was the reward. And Cameron Waters, as a fresh-faced 16-year-old, won that uh, reality TV show and raced at uh, Bathurst with Grant Denyer. And I think they made it to 100 laps before they had some sort of problem. Um, it, was, it was 2011, and Cam Waters suffered at the elbow uh, around lap 102, I think it was. It was pretty close on oh, for like 100 laps there. So, yeah, that was also Grant Denyer's debut in the supercars as well. So quite a, a funny little thing there. But he's raced Super 2s. He's raced GTs. He had an accident in a monster truck that kept him out for a while. So uh, he's will be very popular with the mums of the audience. Um, <laughs> he's, the, he's the only racing driver my fiancé follows on Instagram. Wow, really? Well, there you from, go. His, from his TV days. Also, just a sidebar. You know who Cameron Waters beat in that re- reality show? Uh, Royal Harris is as one well name. As, as well as Nick Cassidy, Shay Davies, he beat, Andrew Jordan. He beat Nick Cassidy? Are you serious? Yep. No. What? Yep. Oh, my God. I know he. I knew he beat Royal Harris because Royal Harris was absolutely blowing up about it. Um, and that yeah. is hilarious to me because Royal Harris is... Mm. And Andrew Jordan from BTTC World. I, him too. I do remember that because the I the angry Englishman was funny to me at the time. Yes. <laughs> what about the rest of the team? Delberto, Dietz, and Wall. What do we reckon? It's going to be interesting. Uh, I believe because Wall, uh, this is going to be valuable track time. Um, Wall racing, as well as we forgot to mention the Triple Eight uh, car that are going to be racing in GT World Challenge Asia this year, which is good because they need all the help they can get. Um, um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, wall racing, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Um, I can't remember what happened last time they at the Bathurst 12 I, I, I Oh, they had that massive accident after uh, Skyline, didn't they? Uh, yes, with, um, I believe it was Julian Westwood in the car. They put that car out just about 90 minutes into the race. Pretty similar, in fact, to how Combe Ledegar put his car, his Aston Martin out uh, in the early stages as well. The yeah, I'll tell you, I don't think over. I, I don't think overall podium, without without you know some outside help. At least you won't miss the car on the broadcast. No, that's true. It's basically the hypno car. It's got a lot of red and white circles. Um, it's, it's very Lamborghini paint job. Yeah, I unfortunately don't rate Dietz. His performances in the GT World Challenge Australia have not endeared me to his skill level, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this car at the tail end of the field, truth be told. So that's... Uh, yeah, can't disagree. Yeah, so that's the, the Pro-Am class. So give me two. Lads, give me two. I'll give you a second to think about it. Um, while we're doing that, I'll just quickly uh, have a bit of a chat, I guess... With everything going on this weekend, it's going to be hard to get race threads organized. Of course, I will be otherwise predisposed, um, but surely there will be a race thread up somewhere and people will be discussing it in the in the Discord server, so make sure you jump in and get around the Discord. I believe that, well, there's going to be plenty of racing to talk about this weekend. Um, it's always a great group of people. And yeah, it should be a fun community moment. And don't forget as well, Fantasy WEC, uh, run by MW Clarkson. Uh, that's all on the sub already, and make sure you get in on that. Guys, give me two. Give me two, give me two, give me two. Who's your top two? We'll go with Kiwi first. Obviously the Triple Eight. Obviously, apparently. And your second? Yep. I th- on uh, You know what? I'm actually going to go the 74. 
74, Schumacher and uh, and Burton and Vanderlind. Vanderlind, yeah, I reckon they might just put a surprise on us. Rightio, okie dokie. That was certainly not where I was expecting that to go. Uh, what about you, Chris? I think I'm going to go triple seven and 91. Okay, so the triple seven is the other, uh, uh, I almost said Aston Martin, the other Audi um, with... Uh, uh, fellow Winklehawk and Yasser Shahin and the 91 who was the 91? Ingo Drukadella say that's that's the um the craft bamboo car that is an interesting direction you guys went in very different places than I was expecting you to go oh were you going to go triple eight triple seven I was going to go triple seven and the 75 oh. you're running off your favorite driver the driver you want to have to your babies I mean that's neither here nor there um I you madman? Huh? You madman? I I think Lightning can strike twice with Hubble. I think he he loves Bathurst, and I think he's got a crew to do it. Is the thing? If I had a, if I had a third one, it would be triple seven. Oh, sorry, triple eight rather. But overall, I think the number the triple seven's got to be the car to beat for me. Okay, well we'll keep an eye out on that, and we'll read your race reviews to see how right and wrong you were. Like, this is weird. Normally, we're all converged, but we've all gone for, I think, between us, we've picked five different cars. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I think that's because we have the AM component this year. You're never quite sure with the AMs, are you? Exactly, exactly. Um, it does add a, an extra layer of complexity. Uh, we've got three AM-class cars, um, a two Mercedes and a Audi. We'll talk about the Audi first uh, because that's a little easier. We've got the number 47 Superbahn car with the Condorus brothers, James and Theo, uh, David Russell and Paul Stokel. Now, the Condorus brothers, uh, Chris, well, sorry, Kiwi would know, are very well versed in Porsche Carrera Cup um, and other, you know, am, uh, like champ uh, class uh, categories around Australia. David Russell... Um, you, someone will have to remind me, supercars driver, did he ever actually make it full-time into supercars? I think for a couple of seasons with uh, possibly the Kellys in the early stages, I think. Quite possibly. Um, and then Paul Stokel's a really interesting name. Uh, anyone... there's, a name there's a name I haven't heard for years. Okay, you seem pretty keen on this one. Tell us about Paul Stokel. I remember watching him race around when I was at Sandown in 2003. In the Nations Cup. Yep, that's the one. Uh, yep, he's... I actually thought he was actually a really solid driver. I don't, he's actually been working as a driver coach and has, I think, been winning down in Target Tasmania when it's actually been an event and not a... dealing with what they've been dealing with the last few years. Yeah. Um, I'd be really interested to see how he goes. Last time I remember seeing him run, I think, was in Mini Challenge. Um... <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh, yeah, he was. He did win, in fact, the mini challenge back when that was a thing in Australia. Um, he is a, a long-time driver. He's a former Australia Drivers' Championship from when I was like a baby, uh, is how long ago he's been racing. Um, but he has been racing lately in the GT World Challenge Australia AM class. So uh, he's taken, I think, uh, one or two victories in that class in the AM setting. Um uh, often driving with Gary Higgin um, in the one of the KFC sponsored cars. So yeah, that's that's a really cool name to see pop up again. Um, David Russell and the Contouris brothers. Um, Chris, do, do they, those names pick any interest for you guys, or for you, or for you rather? 
Nah, not really. Not really? Um, well, uh, we can... Yeah, I'll, I'll briefly explain them. The Kondurus Brothers race as a pair in the GT World Challenge Australia at the moment. Uh, and then, yeah, David Russell. He's actually been quite a notable co-driver. I think he just took... Was he... Did he take a podium with Chas Mostert, uh, with, with, sorry, with Cam Waters? Or was he the driver behind the wheel when Chas Mostert crashed into him at the elbow and took him out the, the first time? testing my knowledge. It's too. I just, I just seem to have. I just seem to have a, a, an image in my head of like the the driver facing onboard camera of him getting hit by Moster at the elbow and then hitting the wall and just screaming f yeah. at at the top of his lungs. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a very David Russell thing to do. Classic. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell you what, though, I think. Back on talking about this car, I'm not sure what this car is going to do when it am, but I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> it's certainly it's certainly going to uh, cause some fireworks. Uh, we've got two Mercedes in the AM class. Our first one from Ram Motorsport has uh, a trio of GT World Challenge Australia AM drivers in it. So Garth Walden and Michael Sheargold, uh, they've been racing together as a duo in the GT World Challenge Australia. And Brett Hobson who races in the trophy class in a older spec G- uh, Nissan GTR Nismo. Um, in fact, uh, Hobson has raced at the 12-hour in that Nismo um, for quite a few years running now. Um, and, get this, lads, has taken an overall victory in the uh, GT World Challenge Australia. So he certainly got some uh, some clout behind him. Um, Sheargold and Walden, they're not really names I know too much about beyond they race in the GT World Challenge Australia. Yeah, and I don't think they've done spectacularly. Also worth pointing out that they've already broken one Mercedes AMG this week. Yep, this is true. They crashed in like a testing crash at Sydney. They had to pretty much have a Hail Mary. I believe, I believe Triple Eight has the um, does the dealings with the selling of the Mercedes GT3s in Australia. Yeah. But it's but they got a last minute car from the team they had to pretty much you know very much hail mary attempt but lo- thankfully they got another car otherwise we would just be left with a 19 car grid instead of 20 and it it would it would have continued a trend where not every car that enters the 12 hour starts the 12 hour <laughs> oh no every car makes a, makes a 12 hour first session yeah absolutely um, um correct me if i'm wrong garth walden has been doing has he been doing anything in tcr recently um not TCR that I can see. Well, he's done a fair bit of production car racing. Power. No, I'm thinking I'm getting production car confused. Yes, he's been in production car with the Evo. Yes, yes, he has. Um, and he's also actually got quite a uh, quite a past career. He almost picked up a supercars license and ran his own team for a little while. Um, uh, but that ended up falling through on him. Um, he's been racing since the early early 2000s, I think. Um. So yeah, he's a quite quite a story driver. has has a Wikipedia page, which is always helpful. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, here you go. You raced in the um, two thousand and four Romano. Oh, Romano racing. Okay, there's a the problem. <laughs> he he also uh, raced in the Mosler back in two thousand and thirteen. Remember the Mosler lads? The thing was, the thing I'm surprised at is the Mosler didn't win every race because no one could get past the bloody thing. Oh well, I mean, it had to pass people first. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, quite a thing. This will be the second year that Walden and Hobson have shared a car. Um, Sheargold is, I think, new to GT racing and racing on a whole, so we'll see how he uh, checks out. 
Um, the third AM car is from Valmont Racing. Um, this is the number 55 with Duvashin Padiachi, Sergio Pires, 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 and Marcel Zalua. Now, this car is a bit of an interesting story. It's got a charity associated with it. Um, as far as the drivers, again, uh, pretty well not not featured names in Australia as much. I think Padiachi has raced uh, Carrera Cup. Um, and yes. his, uh, he and his brother Indian Padiachi do fairly decently. Um, but Pires and Zalua, I don't recall seeing either of those names before. Zalua, maybe I have seen, um, but Pires, definitely not. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more business partners more than anything, uh, which is how they've come together to as a charity initiative, uh, raising money for the Sydney Children's Hospital, which is good, which is amazing. Mm. And I think, and also something called you, the Sony Foundation, their You Can Stay program. Um, so, so like Ron McDonald House, but no Big Macs involved. That's cool. That's that's actually really really good. So, um, I'm not sure if uh, Ron McDonald House is something that exists overseas, but it's basically like a, funnily enough, McDonald's sponsored um homestay program where if uh, people have to travel long distances in order for uh for hospital visits or stuff like that particularly for kids um that their families have a place to stay while they're in Ad- uh, in in Adelaide in uh, larger cities um which is you know particularly important considering that for a lot of rural areas in Australia there is just not that support and and not that medical infrastructure for those sort of complex issues so it's cool that there's uh something like that that isn't quite as um you know beholden to the golden arches um I'm trying to see Zalua raced in the 2020 event, and I'm just trying to f- see where he was and what he was driving, because that has, is a name I have seen before. He was in the Trofeo Motorsport uh, Lamborghini Huracan, um, which uh, had Liam Talbot, Dean Canto, and Grant Denyer behind the wheel. So that's where um, he was last time. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect from this team, if anything. Oh, my main thing with Devashin is he's the Pediatri brother who I think crashes a lot more. Which is a bit of a risk in a 12-hour race. At Bathurst, yes. Yeah, indeed. Cool. So hopefully we don't see him crashing. So that's the that's the AM class. Flip a three-sided coin. Who who Who's winning that? Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go to the 47 because that'd be cool. 47? Uh, the Kunduris Russell Stokel car? Yeah. What about you, Chris? I think I've got to go forty-seven too. Uh, uh, are you? Do you know any of these drivers? Are we being helpful to you, or are you just kind of flying blind here? Uh, I know David Russell used to do some supercars racing, and Paul Stoko, like like Kiwi said, he used to race in the Nations Cup, um, yeah, which was really in GT back in the day with the Lamborghini, the Diablo, um, yeah, yeah, and in the Conduras brothers. I don't. I know now that you know the mem- old memory bank kicked in. They raced an older GT3 Porsche. Um, it might have been just a cup car at the Phillip Island round this year for GT World Challenge America, and I don't remember them going off track. That that could. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've just blocked it out of my mind, but I don't remember them being too bad. So to be fair, I block a lot of what the Conduras brothers do. Out of no, that's not fair. That's not true. Uh, yeah, I I probably rate the 47 as the best oh 
it'll be tight between the 47 and the 45. I think it'll be a bit of a two-horse race. Uh, there's two uh, Carrera Cup cars as well. Um, the return of the Carrera Cup to the Bathurst 12L, which I think they should have never left, but it's good that they're back. Um, based on the drivers, there is a clear favourite and a clear second best in the Carrera Cup, but we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the Our Cloud Up to 11 Motorsport number 11 car first. This car has Eric Constantinitis, Indiran Padiachi, the other Padiachi, and Aaron Zephyros, uh, Zerifos, rather. Um, any idea on any of those guys at all? Question I have is why is Indiran Padiachi under a South African flag? I have no idea. I noticed that as well. It's weird. Um, but apart from that, there's nothing of note here. I think Aaron Zephyros has raced here a few years. Don't think he's done anything of note. Um, I've not seen the name Zephyros before, but I can check it out. Oh, in fact, he has raced here quite a number of years. Wow, good pick, um, Kiwi. That That is a name that I just straight up don't recognize. He's raced here uh, from 2013 to 2018 inclusive, and I've, yeah, never seen that name before. <laughs> and he's had a Class B second place. Well, ah, you know why? Yeah, we were there, and we were there. Yeah, you know why I didn't recognize the driver? Um, because mm-hmm. they he was always racing in the older spec uh, nine eleven uh, Porsche nine eleven Cup car, the one that looked out of place. So that's why I never uh, paid yeah. it too much attention. Um, yes. What uh, some of you might not know is that um, uh, I think it was Constantinitis and. Uh, Trying to remember what the who the other driver involved uh, was in this one. Kutsumidis, uh, uh, they almost took out the leaders in the last round of the GT World Challenge Australia because both of them had just come out of the pits as the lead battle went to lap them around the southern loop, and there was contact involved. There was tire rubbing. It was very very close to being quite a big accident. Um, so that's what I remember of Constantinidis uh, at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah. I, I think that's a, an apt description of this car. The other car, though, is much more interesting. Um, this is the Scott Taylor Motorsport car, the Triple Two, um, which is Scott Taylor's number. Um, of course, he is driving that car. He has in the in this car Jeff Emery, um, who is an Australian GT powerhouse, uh, won the uh, Australian GT Championship in I think twenty twenty. And 20, uh, well, sorry, in 2019, and I think the year before that as well. Uh, Alex Davison, uh, brother of Will Davison, current Supercars Championship driver, and just this, you know, crazy old guy who's been around a bit. I'm not sure if you know him. Craig Lowndes? Ever heard of that guy? I didn't made it overseas, so who was he? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of nuts to have Craig Lowndes in a B-class car. That's kind of like when we had Alexander Imbratori in a B-class car. Um, this is clearly, I mean, honestly, you could tr- put this car in the Pro-Am class. I'd be like, this is a chance of a podium. It's certainly an eye raiser with the likes of Davison, Emery and Lowndes behind the wheel. And like a Taylor as well. Taylor is maybe not the quickest driver around, but he's going to keep it out of the wall. And in a 12 hour endurance race, that's exactly what you need to happen. And Josh, we should have mentioned this car is also a charity, uh, Charity initiative this year. Yeah. Uh, the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Yes, a very, a very important uh, char- charity and a very important movement uh, for, for men around the world everywhere. Yeah. Men, cheeky nuts. 
absolutely. Um, it's kind of cool that uh, Scott Scotty Taylor's uh, kind of giving up his you know marketing space for for a charity like that. I think it's really important. Yep. As do I. I don't know how they're grouping it this year. Is the I'm getting confused by the Wikipedia list. These guys are not in the considered scored as the same class as the Invitational class, are they? No, they are okay. scored as a separate class. They are scored okay, as cool. technically they're class C. So this is this should be a class C winners, all things being equal. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. And if you have done your fantasy endurance uh, picks already, and I saw someone in the in the comments there say, "Oh, it's a coin flip." It's not a coin flip. This car should win. This car absolutely should win class C. This car is going to pass some of the pro am. Uh, yeah, at least some of the pro am class. Definitely all the pro, all the am class. Uh, we've got Alex twenty one in the chat saying, "I wish this was a GT three. Yeah, I wish this was a GT three as well. <laughs> yeah, any, anything to add to that, Chris? Taylor has access to a Merc. What was that? Sorry, Scott Taylor has access to a Merc. He has why access. He yeah, Merc? exactly. Why isn't it, why isn't he driving a Merc GT3? Come on. Um. Yeah, Chris Washer. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, kind of open and shut case. You know, this car, unless problem set, you know, gonna win. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there is still the invitational class as well. This class uh, has traditionally been filled with. Uh, the Mark cars, the Daytona sports cars. Uh, this year, it's got two Marks cars, which we'll talk about in a sec, and a KTM Crossbow GT2. Now, I've only seen one race where the KTM Crossbow GT2 has been in it, and I think it was the the Monza race that got absolutely washed away that one time. Uh, Chris, talk to us about the, the GT2 Crossbow. What's it been racing in, and is it any good? Uh... Most probably notably uh, the NLS at the Nurburgring, and definitely, definitely the last NLS round that happened. It was um, very competitive with the GT3 cars. Like it was like top five, even after like thirty minutes of running, and it was it was shocking on how far up it was. Now was that probably because of misguided BOP? Well, probably. Maybe they misguided it. Maybe they gave the GT the KTM too much power, or they held the GT threes too back. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see and study at Bathurst to see what how fast this car goes. See how uh, how the times compare. Wow. It's a very well, he, fast car. Here's the thing: you can't do too much comparison with this class because this class is limited to two hundred six. Yes, that is something that I kind of brushed over because it is an invitational class. They are limited to an index time. Um, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. Well, well, I'll pose the question. Is that a good thing? Is having an indexed time for the invitational class a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Or is it just a thing? Or does it not need to be a thing? Well, there's two things I'd say to this. One, if you don't have it, you're going to have these cars blowing past GT3 cars down the straight. Which is kind of terrifying. Yeah. And, and complicated. Yeah, so I think it avoids that a little bit. Also, and I don't know why, like, remember remember they were saying the Super 3 cars were going to be eligible for this class? Yeah, I... I why did they announce that and where are they? <laughs> so I think why they announced that was to try and get more entries. Where are they? There were no entries. <laughs> <laughs> so why bother announcing it if, you, if you're going to throw a Hail Mary? Do your research first. Oh, I, I think it would have been close. That's the thing. I, I think that had the Super 3 not just been in Barbagallo 
or in Wanneroo rather, which is, you know, p- tomato potato. Um, had that not just happened, I think it wouldn't have been so far-fetched. Um, but to turn around a super touring car, a, a super three car in that instance, um, in two weeks to race it at Bathurst is, you know, quite a, quite a challenge, I would expect. Especially when you're driving it from literally the other side of the country. To answer your question, yes, I think the index time is still valid, yeah. just for those reasons of safety. Yeah, um, it's also like a competition reason as well. You know, you don't want an invitational car beating the GT3s. That's just that's just not cool. <laughs> like guys, exactly. um, yeah. Uh, drivers in this car: Dale Wood, Glenn Wood, Trent Harrison, David Crampton. They've been running the KTM's in the GT4 class over the past few years. Um, in fact, the last time Dale Wood was at Bathurst in the 12 hour um his car didn't start because it crashed at hell corner and wasn't able to be repaired uh that was 2016 um so uh I'm trying to have a look here uh in my big book of notes if they if either Dale or Glenwood has finished the 12 hour because it looks like uh Dale has not but Glenn may have um but are we are we necessarily excited or are we excited to see the car well, I'm excited to see the car. I'm excited to see the pit stops with the car. Because they still got the clamshell, don't they? Yep. Oh, boy. That is going to be complicated and interesting. Um, what about you, Chris? Is this the first time that the KTM GT2 will be raced outside of Europe? Try and really... I don't, I don't think so. I think it races in Super Taiku. Oh, okay. And what it's is- race, And it's they've had a four-hour race at Sydney Motorsport Park already. Really? This car. What, yeah. What for? I just some local New South Wales GT race. Huh. They came third out, third and third overall. I didn't realize that GT3 had local races. Oh uh, no, not GT3, GT. Oh, GT rather. I mean, so yeah. just if, if you've got a GT car, bring it, sort of thing. How very peculiar. Yeah, there's a series called, you know, to you know, add further confusion. Uh, there's Super GT Australia. Where it's you know you could bring your GT3 you know it's basically to run with your Bronx sort of thing, but higher end, and that's yeah, where that's where the Mark Griffith uh, that's where actually Mark Griffith, um, with his it'll be an orange Mercedes, um that's where he ran, um, let's say two months ago it was before the first GT World Challenge race it was oh a four hour round it was a four hour race at Sydney. Uh, it was part of the uh, Australian Motor Racing Series, um, and it ran into the night. So cool. There's your nighttime running, so. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Oh, there you go. I did not know that. So that's the that's the GT2 car. Um, there are two Mark uh, V8 Mustangs, which is pretty rad, um, and they are running the Invitational class as well. Uh, names for those, Keith Kasuki, Adrian Morrill, Zane Morse. I think Morse is a name that people who follow the supercars uh, ladder will know as a Super 2 runner. Is that right? Please tell me that's right. That's going to be very embarrassing if that's not right. Since... Is he Super 2 or Super 3? It could be Super 3. They race together nowadays. It's hard to keep track. Um, and yeah. Keith Kasuki was... Was or still is, like, Mr. Mark, the one kind of driving the whole program for a while. Uh, right? Yeah, I think so. They, they sold the Mark cars 
I'm pretty sure, but yeah, um, he's been doing he's been doing the Mark stuff with donkeys. So I am just he's... trying to find what years Kasuke would have been racing here, and it would be almost every year since 2013 that uh, Keith Kasuke's been here. So a uh, very experienced racing driver at Bathurst. Um, the other Mark car has uh, Jake Camilleri, Jeff Taunton, and Declan Fraser. Now. Taunton and Camilleri are names I've heard before. Declan Fraser, I feel like I've heard before. Is this kind of like a up-and-coming drivers sort of deal? Declan Fraser is also from is also in Super Two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, seems very much like. And we've seen this in the past because T- Tyler Emmerichem drove a Mark car, and uh, last year spectacularly crashed a Mark car last year. Yep. Well, last time but- out. But they they seem to have a habit of putting like the young Super Two guys in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that, well, one thing I will say about the Mark cars, you can't miss them because bloody hell they're loud. <laughs> you can hear them coming from bloody orange. Oh my god, they are they are the loudest cars on track, and it's not even close. Like I remember, yeah. it was twenty nineteen when they first got uh uh, uh first got released. They were actually pain-inducing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they reckon they were louder than the Porsches I heard at Daytona. You know um, what? That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Almost as loud as the Brabham at, at, at the bin now. Think about it. Now, that that was a cool car. Um, it was. Um, also, I was going to mention as well, another flag to tick off your exotic flags of racing chart. Y- yeah, go ahead. Keith Kosuki, Papua New Guinea. A very interesting flag to pick off. Uh, to tick off, yeah, absolutely. Um, that that car that he's in, the Wheels Effects Racing, is actually uh, flagged as a Pap- uh, Papua New Guinean uh, entry as well, which is very interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if, how much most what happens in PNG, but there you go. Now the Mark cars are pretty interesting because we've seen them in the hands of. Uh, of pro drivers do some pretty crazy things. When Nick Perkat was driving the Mark car last year, uh, sorry, not last year, last uh, last event, he put a lap time in that would have been in the middle of the Class A field. It was a 204.3, I think, which is kind of ridiculous when you think that the pole time was in the, the, the 203s. Um, those smart cars are quick. Yeah. Now, so that was at the part of the 12 hour. Yes. I would love to see what these cars could do at Challenge Bathurst when you take the limiter off. You've just you've just given me a new fantasy. <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, but these cars are bloody incredible. I don't think the names are quite there this year to do it. To do anything too crazy. But I think there'll still be a marked car winning this class. If you're gonna if you're gonna press me on which one, oh, I'm gonna go with the fifty-two. I the um, Kasuki Camilleri, uh Kasuki Morals Morse car. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? Do you reckon it's gonna be a Mark car or a KTM crossbow? Uh, KTM. KTM. You're gonna go with the number fifty. I would love to agree with you, but unfortunately, I don't have any faith in the drivers. I'm also going to go to the number 52. <laughs> so, 
that's the 20 car field. Um, certainly makes it a little quicker for these preview podcasts when there's only 20 cars and not, you know, 62. Uh, what are we going to be looking forward to the most this weekend? What, what are the stories that you're going to keep try and keep track of, Chris? Well, for me, keeping an eye on those AMs and seeing which AMs are outperforming our expectations. Because for the first time in a long while, the AM driver is the most important component of this race. I think that's definitely going to be a big a, a big one there. Um, the the AM pace, seeing how the the teams manage the AMs is going to be super duper interesting for me uh, as well. Um, what about you, uh, Chris Washer? What what are your what are the stories that you're going to be tracking? Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have a good overall fight. Um, I think I don't really have a horse in the race. I just hope for some good racing. Um, I think I'm, what I'm really going to be looking out for is um, how my pretty much how my FWEC picks are going to be doing um, when when I get the chance to watch. I think I'm going to watch all 12 hours this year because of you know everything going on. I, I need sleep. Um, nah, sleep is, sleep is for the week. The, <laughs> the race is I, happening I, on I, the weekend. I've got a two month old. Trust me, you don't need sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, you know, uh, ho- hopefully we'll have um, it's gonna be a very niche um reference I'm doing. Hopefully we'll get like a 2020 um Kyle Ami situation where the grid numbers were low, but the racing was excellent. Mm. Um, and I think we probably have the quality grid that we could have that happen because um, if we can have a a fantastic race, I'm not expecting a barn burner by any means. I'm not expecting. Uh, a classic like we had in years past, but if we have could have at least some form of a competitive race where you know there's at least some fo- some battles going on, you know, towards the end, I don't know that'll be a success to me. Absolutely, I I think if if cars are still on the same lap come hour eleven, that is going to be a good sign for a good finish. I've also just done a bit of googling. Ooh. Um. I'm going to cross to Ollie. It got a rain. Thanks, Ollie. God damn it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the weather is pretty much wet from tomorrow through to Wednesday. And we haven't seen a wet 12-hour in quite a long time. We did get threatened very, very closely in 2020, but not quite there. So that is going to be very interesting. You combine the wet with the rain. Oh, sorry, the wet with the dark. That's going to be scary. So, guys... And let's, and let's hope this doesn't catch people, because history, you know, shows us that not every car who starts the weekend makes it onto the grid. Well, that was going to be my next question. So, how many cars are going to actually take the start on Sunday morning? At 5.15 in the morning, Sunday morning. I'm going to say 18. I, 18? Think, I think two cars are going to crash and not be able to make I'm gonna- the start. I'm going to be optimistic and say 21. Oh, wow. Where's this other car coming from? I mean, technically the safety car does count because the Bathurst 12-hour starts under safety car for the first yeah. lap. So, that was a joke. Yeah, well done. Well done, Kiwi. Jokes are always better when someone has to explain them. Um, I, I think I was going to say 18 as well. How many cars get to sunrise? Given it's going to be wet and potentially, potentially wet when they're racing in the dark, well, I reckon there might be a couple of safety car periods, which will mean limit the damage there. I think, so maybe 15, maybe eighteen. 
Well, you started to say 15. I almost did. Almost did. Chris, what about you? We're saying how many cars are going to finish? How many cars are going to make it to sunrise? How many cars are make it to sunrise? Uh, 15. 15? You're being very pessimistic. I love it. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, and, and then to finish it all off, who's going to win? Who? Just tell me straight away who's going to win. Triple seven. Triple seven, Chris? Kiwi, Chris? Eight. Triple eight? Uh, I'm going to say me. I'm going to win because it's going to be a great weekend of watching racing. Um, it's going to be the first time I'm going to be a racetrack for two and a half years. Should we Should we mention uh, the support classes that are also going to be racing? Yeah. A quick very quickly, very briefly, there is there is a whole support uh, category and uh, everything going on. So, Chris, can you give us a, a brief TLDR on what's happening in the supports? Yeah, so if you take a look at the schedule, I'm just going to um, basically start off saying uh, the support races are not streamed until uh, until uh, until Aussie Racing Cars race three on the Saturday local time. Um, so all Friday and May- and all of Saturday morning. Unfortunately, no streaming for that. But as soon as uh, noon local time hits, that's when the stream starts and it starts with the Aussie Racing Cars. Uh, then you'll have the Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, Australia eighty six series. And then you'll then you'll have the combined sedans, which the combined sedans is like old V eight supercars, Corvettes. Uh, it's kind of like a hosh posh of everything it, just it, mixed up together in one race. So it, it's very entertaining. It's actually um, like four different categories combined into yeah. one. It's it's what, really interesting. Also, your pronunciation of sedan there was very English. I love it. Sedan, yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> Uh, and, and also the top ten shootout and qualifying, obviously. Yes, of course. the The uh, Alan Simonson Award will be on offer once again. Um, a very important part of the Bathurst twelve hour folklore and of Bathurst in general. Let's be real. The the one lap dash is uh, quite a uh, iconic part of the the Bathurst sort of event. Um, and there's Track to Town again, which will be on Thursday, which is uh, two days from the time that we're recording it. Um, unfortunately, I won't be there, which is a shame. Um, and if I'd known that, I would have changed my travel arrangements to be there, but that's okay. That's fine. You can tell me the week of the race. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but it's good that they're doing that again. Um, you know, doing a similar thing to what they do at Spa Francorchamps, where they have the cars drive into town um, for the 24 hour and, you know, show uh, be shown off and give fans the chance a chance to meet the drivers and everything that's very very cool um and yeah the race is starting at uh quarter past five uh australian time or australian eastern standard time on sunday um i'm actually traveling with a marshal and do you, do you want to know what his call time is to be ready to get to his marshal post of, or for the briefing before the race i think it's got a three in it you're right it's 3 a.m on the dot oh my oh. god for, for most people at Bathurst, especially if they're camping, that's when they're going to bed. <laughs> I am going to die. <laughs> it's going to be a long day, but it's going to be very exciting. It's always exciting to be at Bathurst. Guys, thank you very much for joining me uh, into previewing the 2022 edition of the Bathurst 12 Hour. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And thank you to the RacingLine.app for sponsoring us and uh, keeping all of our calendars in line. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, and hopefully, 
Uh, you'll see some words that I'll write down across the race weekend. I've been Michael Salavari. Enjoy the race. Peace out. Dude, I'm bouncing off the walls. I've all I've been talking about this week at work is going to Bathurst. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> I'm gonna go to a racetrack. I'm gonna be in a racetrack.